You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Calvary Church. If I haven't had a chance to meet you tonight, my name is Michael Cole, and I'm the Connections Director here at Calvary Church. It is such an honor to have you guys join us this morning, post-Christmas, post-Christmas Eve in this Christmas season. Something we usually do on, on Saturday nights for our Calvary Unplugged service that no longer happens, we usually ask a question, propose a question to people just to get people talking. This morning, Pastor Pete is, is watching our, our social media feed through Facebook, and I believe YouTube maybe, uh, but he's on Facebook. My question to you guys this morning is what was your favorite moment, gift, tradition, or just conversation throughout this Christmas season? Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, or the month of December? Again, what was your favorite gift, tradition, moment, conversation, or person even saw this Christmas season? Would you guys pray with me this morning before I start? Jesus, we thank you so much for these moments we have together. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for just being able to, to gather virtually, having the technology th- to gather through Facebook and through YouTube and through social media. We thank you for the worship this morning. We're able to, to sing praises to you because you're more than worthy. God, be with me as I deliver words that I believe you've placed in my heart for people to hear, but also for myself to hear. God, I thank you so much for this morning. Continue to move, continue to speak, continue to challenge and encourage. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, there have been some incredible, dominant international hockey teams throughout the last couple years outside of the United States. The United States have been semi-dominant, but outside the United States, there have been some dominant teams throughout the, the international space. Sweden from 2006, the Czech Republic from 1998, and many others. But no one will ever be able to compare to the 1970-1980 USSR or Soviets of that era. Listen to this stat. The Soviets of 1980 captured the previous four, four Olympic hockey gold medals. Crazy. Going back to 1964, they had not lost an Olympic game. Like, pause for a second. An Olympic game on an international stage where competition is high, players are dominant, they didn't lose a game. Sorry to say this, the Steelers just lost three games in a row. The Pirates can't even win three games in a row. And the Soviet team haven't lost a game in 12 plus years. That's incredible. Spending 1,200 hours plus a year together training and practicing, building a machine called the Red Machine, they were a force to be reckoned with. The earlier Soviet teams of the 1970s, 1960s, they were dominant, but no one had ever seen a team like the 1980 Soviet team. They were head and shoulders above every single competition they played, and the results showed. One year earlier, February of 1979, they faced an NHL All-Star team featuring, again, get this crazy stat, 20 future Hall of Famers. 20 future Hall of Famers. And they beat them in a three-game series, 2-3. to three. The final score of the last game, 6 nothing. Dominant. Some hockey historians say that this is the greatest international hockey team ever assembled. And we've seen some pretty dominant teams. There was a, a Soviet Union writer, Eric Swig's book, 20 Greatest Hockey Goals. It was recorded that the 1980 team was probably the best team ever put together in the Soviet Union. And this was their mentality. We never thought of losing. Never thought 
it would happen. The Soviets going into the 1980 Winter Olympics had the mindset of, we're going to win another gold. No one's going to beat us. This is going to be easy. Kind of a cakewalk. In the first five games of the Olympics, they were right. They were 5-0. and Their combined score, them to their opponents, were 51-11. to 51-11. to The Soviets and their opponent woke up the morning of February 22nd, 1980, and thought, sorry, the Soviets thought to themselves, we're going to be 6-0 and at the end of this game, progressing to another gold medal victory. We're playing a bunch of college kids. Like, they don't stand a chance. Both teams took the ice that afternoon, and no one expected this to happen. And I believe we have some pictures to throw up. I had a video, um, but we'll just show some, some pictures With about 11 minutes left in the third period, Michael Rizzioni picked up a loose puck in the Soviet zone and slammed it past Soviet goalie with a 25-foot wrist shot. For the first time in the game, the Americans had the lead, and the crowd erupted in celebration. And there were still 10 minutes of, of play to go, but the Americans held on, with Craig making a few more saves. And with five seconds remaining, the Americans finally managed to get the puck out of their zone, and the crowd beginning counting down. Five, four, three, two, one. And the final horn sounded. The players, the coaches, the team officials, everybody rushed the ice for immense celebration. And famed sports broadcaster Al Michaels said these six words that will live, I believe, in infamy throughout sports history. I'm not going to do it. I'm not a Al Michaels, but do you believe in miracles? Yes. A miracle took place. A bunch of 18 to 20-year-old college kids pulled off probably and arguably the greatest upset in sports history. Most of these players weren't even born yet before the Soviet Union team was assembled and started dominating the international stage. Not only did the United States upset the Soviets in the hockey game, but to many Americans during that time, it was an ideologically victory in the Cold War. I wasn't born then. I was born in 1990, so I had to do some research on this. But it was during the Cold War. And some Americans also thought it was as meaningful as the Berlin airlift and the Apollo moon landing. You see, this was more than a game or a game in the wind column or an upset. This was actually a true miracle. You see, this year has been defined by a lot of us, by COVID-19 or masks or no masks or Republican or Democrats or Trump versus Biden, Black Lives Matter. The list can go on and on. You can define 2020 by one of those standards, but I wholeheartedly believe that 2020 will be defined and marked by the year of being let down. Maybe you're in that season now. Maybe you feel let down. Maybe you've been given a dream or a vision by God in 2019, even early 2020, and COVID hit in March, and nothing happened. Maybe you had money set aside to purchase Christmas gifts for friends and for family and even for your children. Maybe paying off debt and going on a vacation this year, or maybe even vacation 2021, and COVID hit, and you've been out of job for months and months and months, and you couldn't afford anything this year. Or maybe you experienced pain beyond belief this past year in 2020, and maybe 
maybe, just maybe, you actually have a question of, God, why did you let me down this year? And I'm just going to kind of pause here for a second, and my heart is, I just want to say sorry. And I'm sorry that you experienced all of those letdowns, those pains, those emotions this year. But I'm here to encourage you this morning, even through Facebook and YouTube, and even a video if you watch later in the week, that God has something in store for you this morning, that he wants to speak to you and challenge you and remind you of who he is. And as we close out the Christmas season, as we close out this sermon series, when the fruitcake hits the fan, just discussing all of the emotions that are wrapped up in this Christmas season, I just want to focus on, on two verses, and we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. I'm going to read them out of the ESV version, and they're recorded as such. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. Verse 15 completes the sentence. And remained there until the death of Herod. You see, when we get to verses 13 and 15, the angel of the Lord already visited Joseph and told Joseph about the miracle that was going to take place. Mary being a virgin, giving birth to Jesus. Following the dream, magi, or wise men, came from the east looking for Jesus. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. You see, if you stop there in the story, if you stop kind of in that space right there, this would be an incredible story. Joseph had multiple dreams or visions from angels of the Lord. Mary, a virgin, giving birth to Jesus, the Savior of the people from their sins. And then wise men, finding Jesus by a star. Not by GPS or not by Google Maps or Apple Maps or anything like that. By a star. But wait, it actually gets better. Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When, the, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I love that. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense and myrrh. You see, the wise men didn't just find Jesus based on a star or based off of GPS or a compass. They found Jesus on a star, but they also gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I have done some research over the past couple of weeks preparing for this message, and I found some financial analysts that actually equated those gifts to U.S. modern dollar. Those gifts kind of equate to about $50 million to $100 million in today's U.S. dollar. That is incredible. $50 to $100 million of gifts just being given to Jesus because he's the Messiah. And when you read Scripture, I don't know if it's, you do this or not, but it's kind of hard for me to understand the timeline of what and when, th when things took place. And according to most scholars and theologians, at this point we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 2. Jesus is almost two years old at this point. 
The reason I say that is because the dream of Joseph, the birth of Christ, and all the angel visits of Joseph and the wise men and the gifts took about roughly two years. It wasn't days or it wasn't weeks or it wasn't a few months. It was actually a year to almost two years. And when we get to verse 13 that I read earlier, we find ourselves almost two years into Jesus' life and the miracle of his birth is still at an all-time high. People are still in awe and wonder of the birth of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Savior from their sins. And they're still living in the miracle. Fast forward a little bit. February 22nd, 1980, the United States hockey team was living in a miracle. As you saw in those photos, they were ecstatic. Living on cloud nine, pure euphoria. They just defeated the greatest hockey team ever assembled. And what's so ironic about that moment is that wasn't even the gold medal game. That wasn't even the, their final game of the, United, of, the, of the Olympics in 1980. The United States still had to go play another game. You see, that was the bronze medal game or to get to the gold medal game. How do you pick yourself back up after that? The United States, a bunch of college kids, 18 to 20-year-olds, I'm 30, never in my life would ever dream of playing 18 to 20 professional hockey in the Olympic stage, defeated the greatest team that has ever assembled. How do you pick yourself back up physically, emotionally, mentally, to go play another game. Talk about a letdown. And there's a small parallel, I believe, to the Christmas story and what I just read about Joseph and Mary and the birth of Jesus. The gifts, the magi, all the prophecies fulfilled with the birth of Jesus to being let down. King Herod actually told them to flee to Egypt. You see, he decreed a, a census where they had to go back to their hometown and Joseph and Mary had to travel back to Egypt. And just like Joseph and Mary had to handle the letdown of Christmas, being told to flee to Egypt, and just as the United States hockey team had to handle playing another game, but also being let down of that emotional high, just as Joseph and Mary did, they had to handle a letdown. But I'm going to ask you the question this morning. How do we handle letdowns? How do you handle being let down? And this morning, I just want to give you three, three simple practical applications on handling the emotion of being let down. The very first one is being honest with yourself. Being honest with yourself. If you're a note taker, being honest with yourself. You see, this is one of the hardest things for me to do is to be honest with myself, especially emotionally. You know, I I tend to dabble in the Enneagram assessment. I'm an Enneagram type nine, which is considered a, a peacemaker. And one of my biggest blind spots or downfalls or, or things that I can work on is being honest emotion with myself. You see, I suppress all of my emotions so I can help and care for other people. But I never take care of my own self emotionally. Go back a little bit to November 2019. I stepped into the position that I am in today of the Connections Director here at Calvary Church. After receiving uh, tragic news um, that Pastor Paul Poole passed away in such a, a tragic time here for the church and also the Poole family, I was given the incredible blessing and grace by Pastor Sharon Poole to step into this position. You see, I'm, I'm new to ministry. As Pastor Nick said, I, I'm new to 
what we classify as vocational ministry. I'm new to, to leading people. I, I'm new to, to leadership and everything that, that encompasses it. But I trusted God that he would provide. I trusted God that I heard his voice, so I said yes. That was November. November, December, January, February, March. Those five months, I had momentum. At least I felt that I had momentum. I met with my team pretty regularly every Sunday morning. I got to know them on a personal basis inside Calvary Church, but also outside of Calvary Church. I held a few team meetings. We had some changes and updates for the four that were going to take place. We had some momentum moving into the year 2020. And March 15th hit. And lockdown took place. We closed our doors to Calvary Church for roughly five or six months. And during quarantine, I had a lot of questions, probably as most of you had, a lot of questions. I had questions like, God, why did you let this happen? What will church look like post-COVID? How will guest services interact with people post-COVID whenever we have to social distance and, and wear masks and, and things of that nature? Will people even come back into the building post-COVID with this virus? And my own personal question is, God, why did you let me down in 2020? I said yes to this incredible decision to step into vocational ministry and I felt that you, God, have let me down. I trusted you that you would accomplish some great things through Calvary Church, through guest services, through guest interaction, through people interaction, through serving, have serving opportunities, all of that. And then lockdown hit. No wait let down hit and scripture rings of the second application being honest with God be honest with God Psalm 145 18 is, is recorded like this the Lord is close to all who call on him yes to all who call on him in truth I love that last statement after the comma to all who call on him in truth another way to put it be honest with God Simply put, be honest with God. And this is equally as difficult for me and maybe for you, being honest with God. For me, I, I think that God doesn't want my emotions, that, that God doesn't want my frustrations, that God doesn't want the emotion of, of me questioning him of why you let me down this year. But I'm here to encourage you on this one too that that is furthest from the truth. God actually welcomes those questions. God actually welcomes those emotions, those frustrations, those hurts, those sorrows. The verse says it. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. If you have emotions, if you have the emotion of feeling let down in life or this Christmas season, I encourage you this morning to be honest with God today because he is ever so close to you. And maybe you feel all the emotions that we've discussed this past month. Stress, disappointment, uncertainty, chaos, excitement, and today's the letdown. I don't want to minimize any of those emotions because they are real and authentic emotions. But I promise you that God is ever so close to you, even in the midst of those emotions this morning. All you have to do is be honest with him. Just take a step back and say, God, you know what? I'm struggling this morning. I feel stressed and overwhelmed and disappointed and full of sorrow and that you've let me down and that this year has been a year of letdown. 
Be honest with them. And lastly, be honest with yourself, be honest with God. And lastly, trust God. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You can trust this person because they have done their research or you can trust this doctor because they work for this medical company and they're on the front lines or you can trust this person because they've done their research or you can trust me because I've experienced it. You see, these statements are made every single day about 2020. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstance is, we're questioning ourselves. Who can we trust? We're looking for sources and people to trust every single day. And I'm here on the stage, I do that too. What source do I trust? What website do I trust? What post do I trust? Who do I trust? In preparing for this message and talking to Pastor Nick, we should only be looking for one source and one person to trust. You see, I'm getting married uh, in, in a few months and I deeply, deeply love my fiance. Deeply love my fiance. But if I was to put my trust in her solely, I'd be let down. And if she was to do the same to me, vice versa, same thing. Why? Because we're both flawed human beings. You can put your trust in your job and you can be fired tomorrow. Check mark, let down. You can put your trust in your money. You can go broke tomorrow. Check mark, let down. You can put your trust in your political candidate, Trump or Biden. Check mark, let down. You can put your trust in your, our government. Look where we're at. Let down. When we look to anyone or anything outside of God to fully trust, we will always be let down. I'm going to repeat that. When we look to anyone or anything outside of God to fully trust, we will always, always be let down. Go back to Matthew chapter 2. Joseph and Mary obeyed the angel of the Lord when they told them to flee to Egypt. Not only did they obey the angel of the Lord, they did what? They trusted the angel of the Lord. They trusted God. You see, King Herod put a decree out later after the census to kill every child under the age of two years old. When we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 2, Jesus is under two years old. Joseph and Mary had to obey, but also trust the angel of the Lord, but also God the Father to protect them, but also to protect Jesus. Go back to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In verse 6, Joseph and Mary did this. In all your ways, acknowledge him, speaking of God, and he will make straight your paths. And maybe you're experiencing a lot of emotion this morning from the Christmas season. You feel the emotion of somebody letting you down. Maybe you feel the emotion that you let somebody else down. Or maybe my question during quarantine and lockdown, maybe you have the question and the emotion that God has let you down. Those are all valid, valid emotions. But again, I just wanted to encourage you this morning, the three simple applications, be honest with yourself. Be honest with God in all of your emotions, your frustrations, your questions, your doubts, the stresses, the overwhelmingness of this season, or maybe this past year of 2020. And finally, trust God with all of your heart, even in the midst of feeling let down. And I'm going to close with this. And if you follow the Gospels, 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will find this man by the name of Jesus. It's the same baby that we celebrate for the Christmas season. This man has grown up to be, roughly when it's recorded, 30 to 33 years old. Later in Jesus' life, he's sentenced to death. Crucifixion. Being beaten and whipped in front of his own people. Actually sentenced by his own people. Talk about being let down. Jesus was let down by his own people. He was actually put to death by his own people. Jesus was crucified, hung on a cross for hours, declared dead, buried in a grave or buried in a tomb for three days and rose three days later. You see, his disciples that were around him at the foot of the cross, his mother Mary, and people even that followed him that experienced miracles and Jesus' life throughout his ministry were all let down up until that point when he rose. But I'm here to tell you this morning, and I'm going to end with this, that Jesus rose out of the grave to remind you that even in the midst of being let down, that God still deeply, deeply loves you. That all you have to do is look to Jesus' scars. He has two in his hands and one in his feet. See, the holes in his hands actually remind you this morning that God will never let you down. The holes in Jesus' hands remind you this morning that God will never, ever let you down. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for just these brief moments that we gather virtually this morning. God, I thank you so much just for the message that you've given me. God, I thank you so much that even now that you are working and moving and you're allowing these words to rest heavy upon people's hearts, that if they're feeling let down or stressed or overwhelmed or hurt or broken because of this season, Holy Spirit, I pray that you go before them, that you extend your comfort, that you extend your peace, that you meet them in the season that they are in. God, restore, restore their faith in you. God, restore their faith again that you love them unconditionally. Help all of us, myself included, to fix our eyes upon your son Jesus, that even in the midst of hurt and brokenness, that your son Jesus and the cross of Christ reminds us that you love us, that you love us, that you love us, even in the midst of feeling let down. We thank you so much for what was accomplished in all of 2020. Even through COVID-19 and the pandemic, God, you still accomplished some incredible, miraculous things. And I pray and I ask you that 2021 will even further the kingdom, will even further the gospel message because of seeds planted by Calvary Church, by the staff here at Calvary Church, but also churches, the capital C church across the world that it is not about just us at Calvary Church. It is about the capital C Church. Is it, about, it is about your church. God, I pray that you continue to allow those seeds that are planted to come to harvest, that people will come to know you, that people will come to know your love and your grace and your forgiveness and your compassion that you have for them, that those gifts, your character is freely given to them. God, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me this morning just for a few brief moments to speak your word, to encourage myself, but also to encourage others. God, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit before each and every single one of us, listening to the sound of my voice, as well as here in this church. 
Go before us, strengthen us, encourage us. Show us your grace and your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Just want to say thank you so much for joining us here at Calvary Church this morning. We can't look, I'm sorry, we're looking forward to to spending 2021 with you as we kick off our new series, Hybrid Faith. God bless you guys. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 